Father in heaven, oh Lord, words cannot express our gratitude and Lord, just our gratitude towards you, Lord, and how you have extended your hand of grace to us and given us 30 years of ministry. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have stood by us, that you have encouraged us, that you have, Lord, um, led us through this wonderful journey, and we will continue to follow you. And Father, I, I pray that, um, that these 30 years were we're a blessing to you and that the next whatever 30 plus years or whatever it might be, Lord, it will be a blessing to you. And Father, Lord, that this congregation crowd puts a smile on your face. And Father, today I, I decrease that you would increase. I empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself. Everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind would be of you, not of me. We praise in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to take a break from our series, uh, Wisdom That Works, from the book of Proverbs. We'll resume that study next Sunday as we uh, will cover all of chapter 15. So read all of chapter 15, and we'll see you next Sunday as we study that. Now, in celebration of our 30th anniversary, I want us to turn to, if you have your Bible or Bible app, to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 is today's text, and today's message will be a, a bit shorter than usual, uh, so we'll have time to fellowship and to celebrate on this special day in the living room, okay? The title of my message today is The Cost. Everyone say that. Now, before we even dive into the text, uh, I want to set the stage for the text so, that's, that it's, so that it's in proper context, in its proper context. So I want you to follow me here. Luke, who wrote this, Luke has spent the best part of Chapters 1 through 8, establishing the identity, see identity, identity of Jesus. And Luke makes it very clear that Jesus is the promised Messiah. Then here in chapter 9, Luke, what he does, he turns our attention from Jesus' identity, see identity, to Jesus' mission, say mission. So let's read verses 18 through 22 of chapter 9. Stay with me now. Once when Jesus was praying in private, and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowd say I am? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. Verse 20, But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. In verse 21, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. Verse 22, he said, and he said, The Son of Man, say the Son of Man, must suffer, say suffer, many things and be rejected, say rejected, by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And he must be killed, say killed, on the third day, be raised to life. So that's Jesus' mission, right? We got that. So having spoken about Jesus' identity and about Jesus' mission, Luke now brings us to the teaching of Jesus. That's today's text where Jesus gives the definition. Say definition. So Luke goes from identity to mission to definition of the essence of what it means to be a fully devoted, fully committed follower of Jesus' kingdom. And Jesus spells out defines in the text 
what a true commitment to himself looks like, what, a, what the high cost, a high cost, what the high cost of true discipleship looks like. In other words, what true Christianity looks like. And Jesus makes it very clear that the terms and conditions of following him, of true discipleship, is defined by him, not by us. Did you get that? It's defined by him, not by us. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age where there is a me-first gospel being preached in some of the pulpits of America today. It's the gospel that elevates the commands of man above the demands of Jesus. And what, it do, what it does, excuse me, it promotes self-esteem, self-love, self-indulgence, self-preservation, self-exaltation. And listen, these things run in the exact opposite direction of the words of Jesus in the text. Now, before we even dive into the text, I want to ask the question, but, but don't answer it until we get to the very end of the message, okay? You got that? So you got it. So here's the question. How committed are you to Jesus? And I want you to think about that. How committed are you to Jesus? And don't answer that to the end of the message. From a scale from 1 to 10, what would that look like for you? How committed are you to Jesus? Four points, one verse. If you're ready, say yes. Here we go. Point number one is disown. Say that. Disown. Write that down. Verse 23a, the first part of verse 23. Jesus then goes on to say, Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he, she must, he or she must deny him or herself. Did you get that? In the Greek, the word deny is arneomai. Say that. Arneomai. It's a strong expression that literally means to disown something. Disown something. It's used to describe refusing association with someone. It's used of rejecting companionship of someone where you literally do not want their company. So listen, coming after Jesus, follow me now, the committed life begins when we come before Jesus, acknowledging before Jesus, I can no longer stand to be associated with myself. Are you guys with me? I've had it with me. I don't want any, anything more of my own life. And listen, friends, if you, want, listen, if you want to come after Jesus, if you want to be a true follower of him, of his kingdom, then it's the end of you. It's the end of you. It's coming to the end of yourself, of myself. And, and you refuse to any longer associate with the person that you are. And that's what Jesus is saying. That's the high cost of truly following him. That I disown, deny anything and everything rooted in the old life. And it means having to, to give up the right to run my own life. It's dying to self. In John 3.30, John writes this, I must decrease and he, Jesus, must increase. And you see, the gospel is not about self-fulfillment. It's about self-denial. Not self-rejection, not denial to self, but denial of self. Listen, we, we have to understand 
If you're saved, say amen. We have to understand the depth of that in order to understand what the cost for the committed life is. And we have to, we have to come to the place in our Christian lives where we've had it with our sinful lives. It's desiring to never be associated with the old life, with its passions and, and with its lust and with its desires. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, write that down. I'll read it to you. And Paul writes, I have been, I love this, I have been crucified with Christ. Listen to what he says. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You see, by living for ourselves, we die. By dying to ourselves, we live. Back to what Jesus said. If anyone would come after me, say, come after me, he or she must deny themselves. Let me, let me ask you this. Who is your worst enemy other than Satan? Think about it. Who is your worst enemy other than Satan? Well, guess what? It's you. My worst enemy is me. It is. Are you guys with me? You see, by nature, we are selfish, self-centered people. Right? And let me give you a list of some more selves. Self-dependence, self-serving, self-seeking, self-help, self-reliance, self-exalting, self-indulgent, self-satisfaction, self-importance, self-advancement, self-absorbed, self-preservation. How about this one? Selfies. Think about it, right? Selfies. It's all about us. It's all about self. It's all about me, myself, and I, my pleasures, my convenience, my agenda, my kingdom, my world, my plans, my desires, my goals, pleasing myself. And it's being, listen now, it's being so into ourselves that we don't have time for Jesus. That's self-centeredness. While Jesus comes along and says, you want to be my disciples? You want to know the high cost of that? Okay, okay, you first must deny, you first must disown yourself. There must be a radical moving away from the pursuing of yourself. You're safe, say amen. We need to renounce our own self-will and ways. It's about us embracing Jesus' plan, Jesus' provision, his way for our life because what? We belong to him. And you see, denying ourselves is coming to terms that it's not our life. Our life doesn't belong to us. Use alert. Huh? It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus. Therefore, we must cast away ourselves totally, and give up all dependence, trust, confidence in what we are by nature. Now, now I want to say this. It's not wrong to have fun, okay? It's not wrong to acquire things. It's not wrong to work your way to a good position at work. It's not wrong to be ambitious. It's not wrong to set goals. It's not wrong to make plans. It's not wrong to work out. It's not wrong to have nice things. It's not wrong to have wealth. But when our commitment to those things are greater than our commitment to Jesus, that's when it's wrong. You guys with me? Listen, friends, we will become whatever we are totally committed to. And if it's self, we become self-centered. If it's Christ, we become Christ-centered. 
And you see, Jesus is calling us to put away self-centeredness and to put on Christ-centeredness. And it's not trying to change Jesus to fit what we want so we don't have to deny ourselves. No, no, that's not it, friends. It's denying ourselves so that Jesus is the center of our lives. Can I get an amen? So, so how extreme is the cost? How extreme is this commitment? Well, let's move on. So the next point is devotion. Say disown. Number two is devotion. Verse 23b. Let's read on the text. Then Jesus says this. Radical thought here is to take up his or her cross. Did you get that? And the cross only meant one thing in the ancient world. It meant a painful, excruciating, shameful death. Now I can imagine, I can imagine the disciples were thinking, you know, that the cross was associated with pain and shame and suffering and death. They were probably thinking, Jesus, what in the world are you saying? And Jesus is saying, okay, so you want to be my disciples? Huh? You want to live the committed life? Jesus is simply saying, then show me and others how devoted you are to me by being willing to endure hatred, suffering, rejection, even death. You're going to have to suffer, Jesus is saying, as a result of me. If you're safe, say amen. This is the point that Jesus is saying. You need to go public for me. That's what Jesus is saying. You need to go public. You're going public. You're caring. You're taking up your cross, displays your complete devotion to Jesus, that he's right and that he is who he says he is, and you're willing to live and die for him. It's the certainty, say certainty, that Jesus is more real than life itself. Than life itself. That being said, question, are you willing to suffer the consequences of what it is to be a Christian? Christian. Huh? Are you? Are you? Let me ask you this. Do others see you take a stand for Jesus? Do they see you go public for Jesus? Or is it just a private thing for you or for me? Do you live in a way that shows others that Jesus is right, that you believe that he is who he says he is unashamedly? Are you ready for the lesson? Here's a lesson. Taking up our cross is not an option. It's not an option. Notice every believer, every believer has a cross to bear. The text says, and take up his or her cross. Jesus never, say never, promises followers a crossless life. Okay, because discipleship coming after Jesus demands it. I want you to write this down. This is a mind blower. Matthew chapter 10, verse 38. Matthew 10, 38. Jesus said this, and listen what he says. And anyone who does not, does not take up their cross and follow me. Listen what he says. Is not worthy of me. Wow. That's Jesus talking. And the sad truth is, Christians, there are believers who are wearing the cross on some type of jewelry, but they're not bearing the cross. They're not taking up the cross. Instead, they're leaving the cross at home or in the closet, in the car, even at church. Oh, we got the cross here, but they leave it at church and they go on 
something that we will dare not do with our iPhones. Right? Charles Spurgeon said this, there are no crown wearers in heaven who are not cross bearers on earth. Jesus means business when he's talking about what he's saying in the text. So taking up our cross is not an option, Christians. So Jesus says, talking about disown, we disown ourselves. There's got to be this devotion to him, that we're devoted to him. And number three is discipline. Say that. Discipline. Discipline. Verse 23c, he says, the one word there, daily. Say that. Let's read the text again. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must, she must deny themselves and take up his or her cross daily. Say daily. Daily. This is a daily assignment. And we are to carry our cross daily. This is going to take discipline. It doesn't, it doesn't just happen, friends. Right? We have to discipline ourselves to carry our cross each day, every day, 24-7. No matter what comes our way, no matter how you and I feel in the blessings and testings of life, in the mountains and through the valleys, in good health and bad health, no matter what, we're going to carry, we're going to bear our cross daily. Amen. Janine Evelyn Hussey said this, May I be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for thee, even thy cup of grief to share. Thou hast borne all for me. It's disciplining ourselves to daily die to our self-will, to our self-ways, to our self-agenda, to our self-desires, and daily be devoted and disciplined to Christ. Hmm? If you're saved, say amen. We don't get a day off of being a Christian. You don't. You might get a day off at work. Maybe get a day off from doing the honeydew list. I don't know. Okay? But as Christians, we don't get a day off of being Christians. We don't get a day off of carrying our cross. We don't get a day off of living the Christian life. We are called to take up our cross, take it up what? Daily. Not when we feel like it. Not when it's convenient. No, no, no. Daily. Daily, it's discipline. I'm going to get up, Lord, and Lord, I know, I don't know what the day holds for me, but Lord, I'm going to carry my cross. I'm going to discipline myself to do that. And yes, that involves the Word of God. That involves prayer. That involves all those things. Say disown. Say devotion. Say discipline. Number four is direction. Write that down. Say that. Direction. Look at the very end of verse 23. He simply says three words, and follow me. <laughs> Isn't Jesus awesome? Huh? And Jesus is conveying to us that being a true Christian, that being a true follower of who he is, of his kingdom, is an ongoing activity. It's a lifestyle. It's following him. It's a way of life. Say a way of life. In fact, before followers of Christ were called Christians, in the book of Acts, they were referred to as followers of the way. Say the way. 
And you see, before Christianity was a religion or a system of thought, it was instead known as a distinctive way of life. What did Jesus say in John 14, 6? I am the, I am the way, I am the way, I am the way, truth and life. I am the, say, the way. If you're safe, say amen. To follow Jesus is the idea of adhering to him with loyalty and commitment Adhering to his person, his teaching, and his cause. Friends, it is a faithful, ongoing, say ongoing, commitment to following him. Following, this is not just following, but following and obeying what he teaches in his word. That being said, listen, you cannot be a true disciple, a true Christian, and not take Jesus' teaching seriously. Listen, a person has no right to call themselves or to claim to be a Christian if they deny who Jesus is and if they refuse to do what he says. Listen, Christians, listen, Christians. Here and those online, listen now. Listen now. You cannot rewrite the Bible. You can try, but you cannot rewrite the Bible to fit your agenda. You cannot rewrite the Bible to accommodate your feelings. To try to make the Bible fit how you feel. The Bible's God's word. And if we're going to follow him, we must do and believe what he says. You see, following Jesus is a continual pattern of obedience to him and his word. Not only when we feel like it or only when it's convenient or when, you know, we have time. Well, I'll, you know, when I have time, no, 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 no. It's a way of life. You know what Jesus is saying? And I'll tell you, man, it's blowing my mind as I was doing my study. Jesus is saying to us, your will is out. It's out. My will is in. You go where I go. You say what I say. You do what I do. You love what I love. You hate what I hate. You follow me, period. And to follow Jesus means that, that he reigns and, and that he rules and that he governs over our thoughts and our ways and our dreams and our desires and our goals and our ambitions and our conscience and our affections and our actions and our attitudes and our hearts and our relations and our lives. Jesus, what do you want from my life? Huh? Show me, Lord. Show me and lead me and I will follow you. I will follow you. Here's a lesson that's very self-explanatory. Follow Jesus. Say that. That's the lesson. Follow Jesus. Now listen. Please listen. This doesn't mean that you set out your own path and ask Jesus to bless what you're doing. Huh? It means that you yearn and desire to find where Jesus is and follow him. It means that as Lord, he has the authority to tell you what to do, where to go, and who to go with. It means finding his steps, in other words, like what he likes, hate what he hates, and follow his lead. It means following him even to the point of death because that's what Jesus is essentially saying here. You want to follow me? Then you got to be willing to die for me. That's what he's saying. And you know what? As I was looking at the text and studying the amazing thing about following Jesus the way he wants us to is that he empowers us to turn from ourselves and our selfish ways so that we can turn to him and do what he's called us and gifted us to do for his kingdom. Question, are you following his will? 
Are you following his way for your life? Because nobody can call him or herself a follower of Jesus and at the same time follow their own path, do things their own way, and ignore the righteous life that he's called us to do. Right? You see, salvation, and we're going to wrap this up soon, salvation is Jesus' gift to us because he died on the cross for us, right? That's his gift to us. Well, guess what? True discipleship, say that. Is our gift to him. Authentic, genuine, genuine discipleship is our gift to him. As we deny ourselves, disown, take up our cross, devotion, daily discipline, and follow him direction. So back to the question that I asked you at the beginning of this message. How committed are you to Jesus? How committed are you to Jesus? From a scale from 1 to 10, what would that look like for you? Let me ask you this, Christians. Is your Christian walk about convenience or commitment? It's not, listen, this is not about about me gospel. It's about him. Is it based on your terms? Huh? I'll pray when I feel like it. I'll serve when I feel like it. I'll give when I feel like it. I'll do whenever. No. Is it based on your terms or or his terms? And I want to tell you, friends, this was just piercing my heart. And after reading and studying this text, I realized I need to be a more committed, fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. These words that he said, I've read them before. I looked at them before. I know them. But something happened in my life as I was preparing for this message. And I don't know about you. Okay, I don't know about you, but I can serve more. I can do more. I can give more, I can witness more, I can pray more, I can read his word more, I can trust him more, I can live for him more passionately, more consistently, more selflessly, more faithfully and obediently. What does it say on that wall up there? Can you guys say it with more enthusiasm and passion? And Come on, what does it say on that wall there? To know him. And make him known. And you know what I want to tell you? To know him is to follow him. And to follow him is to know him. And to make him known. Listen, cry out. To make him known is to live like we're truly following him. 30 years. And as your pastor, I pray daily for people that will just be committed, more committed to him. To build his church, his kingdom. To be consistent and passionate and obediently obediently walking in his ways. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. And you know what? There's so much more work to be done. 
and we can't do it alone. He's calling you and I to this walk. Luke 9.23. Let it be engraved and stilled in your heart that we would live this way where he would look down and say, that's, that's my boy, that's my girl. Let's all stand.